sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, it seems like we've done a lot of sputtering, a lot of stopping and starting here, Aaron. It's been challenging to try to uh, record and release these episodes, you know, every seven days. That hasn't quite worked out. (laughs) Well, I stopped expecting that a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) But we're doing our level best. Do you you know what I wanted to bring up? What's that? It felt like a spring day today. Now, the reason that's significant is we're in the same place having the same weather uh-huh. And there are years of podcasts that's like, what's the weather there? What's the weather here? We had the same weather. Yeah, is that nice? And I went out, I went for a long walk today. Uh, in, I, I don't get into Nashville very often. I'm usually down here in the Franklin bubble, but I was up in, in 12 South and, yeah, enjoying the sunshine and, you know, shedded the, you know, I shed the jacket and then I shed the long sleeve shirt. Then the pants. Yeah. Soon afterwards, <laughs> the shirt followed. That's right. I bailed out. I got bailed out just in time to make it here. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So what's going on with you? There's st- there's stuff happening. There's the, stuff in the hopper. Oh, there is all kinds of great stuff going on. Oh, by the way, last week I recorded finally the oh, audio version the whole you did the whole thing did the whole book of samson and the wow. pirate monks wow how'd that go oh I, you know what i was i was surprised i hadn't read the book in years it's better than i remember <laughs> <laughs> okay i totally get that there's stuff i've written or yeah. my, my parents are the archivists for right, right, every right, right. sermon yeah, i've yeah. ever done mm-hmm. and they'll be like oh you said this this one time and i'll yeah. think that sounded pretty good. I don't remember ever having that thought. <laughs> now there are parts of it that I would, you know, that I would have written a little differently now. But I read it as it was written in two thousand six. Uh, it'll be a couple weeks before the edits are done, mm-hmm. and probably four to six weeks before it's up on Audible. That's it. Yeah, four to six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Holy That'll be available. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Also working with a great team of guys uh, at, a, at a group called Think Native. We are developing uh, – <laughs> Sorry, they've also shed their clothes, obviously. <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, I'm so man. distracted. It's all, it's all naturist at yeah. this point for me. We're, we're going to be adding features to the Samson website that people are going to find very helpful. Now, one of the things we're going to do first is we're going to do uh, we're going to do some training using Zoom technology uh, for a select. Well, it's not going to be a select. It's going to be whoever applies first. We're going to start with. We can only train a certain number of guys, but we're actually going to do Silas training. You want to be a better Silas? Uh, we're we're going to do uh, you know a. F- Three session or four session course. We're still working on that. Are, are That'll help with my, skill development. Are you using my tagline? What is that? Well, the one, I think I mentioned. Uh, if you think you suck at being a Silas, you probably do. <laughs> you should come join the training. That's really good. I think we will use that as a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> that would get me in because, uh, yeah, yeah. The great irony. I'm not doing all the training here. We brought in some great people to help. I never, I, I can recognize a good Silas. That doesn't mean I am a good Silas. So part of this is aspirational, but we're also bringing in, we got some great expertise that'll help us all develop some skills and some sensitivities so that we can be better friends. And, and, and I got to tell you, there is something, I do know this from experience, even though I'm not the world's greatest Silas by any stretch of imagination, I do know that my own recovery was kicked into a higher orbit when I took responsibility for walking with another guy. Yes, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you even express this? Uh, Elijah, who's only been doing his fighting classes for like three months. Elijah is your son. My my youngest son. Okay. Uh, he's going to turn 13 next Saturday. Oh, wow. Oh, cow. Yeah. Um, he was in a class with a bunch of new people, and the teacher said, well, help them with this. Mm-hmm. And he was annoyed. 
because he's like, I want to, you know, learn some new stuff. I said, Oh, dude, trust me. Yes. This is when you're going to learn this stuff. Right. And that was what a, what a huge thing for people to understand. You don't have to achieve something. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I've looked at the players. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's, there's the guy that knows how to do it. He's talking about it. He's whatever. They don't make the best coaches. It's, it's people, it's a whole different skill set. Yeah. That you might not think, oh, I could go be the leader of something, but you could be the most amazing Silas. Yeah. yeah. You might just, you might not know it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think even you saying you're not the best Silas, it's, your skills are in certain other areas. Sure. You're right. probably a very good Silas, but I can totally accept that I'm not the best Silas in lots of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And yet people think, oh, that's probably the person we should go to. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, no. No, no, no. And look at all the professional baseball players that tried to coach and how many of them were pretty mediocre coaches. <laughs> but if you get those mediocre players, that's they right. end up being amazing. Now it sounds degrading. But I'm saying there's there's some amazing gifts yeah, yeah. that come from different places. And also I think it's just the dynamic of you know, turning – my focus for a little bit of time each day away from myself and my own recovery mm-hmm. and onto somebody else. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how I can see more clearly in somebody else, my own issues sometimes. Uh, very, very often I've heard what I've needed to hear coming out of my own mouth directed at somebody else, but I knew, uh, I knew. Doesn't that just make you cringe? <laughs> Just kind of crumple inside. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, another way to kick your um, recovery into a higher orbit is another uh, another way to serve that's fairly recent now in the Samson Society. Within the last two years, a whole new avenue of service. You can host an online meeting. What is required for someone to be such a guru as that? You know, it really doesn't take much. We, uh, Give us just a few minutes, uh, and actually, uh, ben, uh, ben Cody has created uh, an instructional video. You really should also spend some time with Tom or me or one of the other guys mm-hmm. who's already hosting an online meeting. So you so, just need to so, learn how to, you know, we say for the local meetings, if you can read, you can lead. Uh, for the online meetings, if you can read and if you've learned how to operate the website, <laughs> you can Which, lead. That sounds scary. It's not super complicated. Nope. So you're not being asked to, you're not asking people to teach something. No. They're not going to lead a seminar. You're serving. You're opening that virtual room so that other people can so come in and have conversations. Button, it's open. And then you're making sure everything's running smoothly. That if there needs to be break, breakout groups, you know how to do that. Right. It's so it's a few few key things that we just need people to be hospitable folks that do show up when they say they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I love I host one uh, one newcomer meeting and one uh, regular virtual meeting a week, and I love doing it. It's uh, and it's helpful, very helpful to me. Nice. So, uh, you know. Another big piece of news, we the ladies' retreat. Okay, do you want to move on? Hold on, let me just okay wrap that last part. Okay, up. you might think, oh, they're not talking about me. I know I've done a virtual meeting. I like a virtual meeting. I'm not the hosting type. There is no type. If you know, you'll show up consistently. If that, if you're that type, that's mm-hmm. pretty much the main thing. Yeah, yeah. The rest can be taught. Yeah. So, how do they get a hold of you to say I am willing? You know, the best thing, send a note to either Tom Mocha or me. Uh, Tom's address is tom at samsonhouse.org. Mine is nate at samsonhouse.org. And how do we spell there's, Nate? <laughs> and there's no P in Samson, <laughs> by the way. That's a that's a good point. That is a common one. Yeah, and yeah, there yeah. is also no P in Nate. That's true. That's right. That's right. Some I've, people go with the silent Greek version <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Nate. Yeah. All right. So you were about to say there is another thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Another big piece of news. I'm so excited about this. It, we are finally going to give um, our wives 
a weekend away. You know, one of, one of the things that, you know, our poor long suffering wives, a great many of them have said, you know, before, before recovery, it was all about him. Now that he's in recovery, it's still all about him. He's going to all the meetings. It's taking so much of his time, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a, you know, a lot of, so it's wonderful that so many wives of our guys, especially the online guys, are now meeting together in their own online meetings. Mm-hmm. There's 70 women now who are meeting wow. in their own online meetings. Uh, but what we have arranged, what Samson House is going to sponsor is a great weekend for wives at a beautiful place that's more luxurious than the one we go to. It's not bunkhouses. This is a beautiful conference center in Middle Tennessee, about 30 minutes west of Nashville in a state park. Gorgeous place. Brand uh, newly refurbished uh, inn and conference center there. And we're bringing in the best uh, ex- women experts, experienced people who've walked this road. So, so this is for women who have experienced betrayal trauma. This is going to – it's going to focus on betrayal trauma. Okay. Yeah. So if you've – like we know we have a lot of different listeners. Right. We know we have husbands that have written to us saying, wait, I'm not – I haven't traumatized anybody. We also have wives that say, I struggle yeah. with sexual addiction. I've struggled with right. – I've had affairs. Um, and by the way, we're working on getting some groups going mm-hmm. for different – types of people in different yeah, types yeah, of situations. Yeah, yeah. So uh, don't worry. We we recognize multiple needs. <laughs> this group is for those that say, my husband has been going through his own addiction, his own struggles, and I don't know how to put the pieces of my life back together right. because of that focus. Yeah, but I don't think that it necessarily, Aaron, that attendance has to be limited to those women. Here's what we all need. We all need social connection. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to have an epi- – as as uh, David Hampton says so very often on the Positive Sobriety podcast, we need an empathetic witness to our pain. We need to be empathetic with other people. We need to be connected. I An awful lot of – here's the thing. We guys in Samson, we come here because we have recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Right. Most – of us who are married are married to women who also feel isolated, whatever their challenge. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance for those wives to those those women to get out of isolation for a weekend. This is not going to be so. A, it's not going to be focused on you've experienced betrayal trauma. No, we're going to talk a lot about betrayal trauma, but there's also going to be plenty of time for you to have alone time. There's going to be lots of informal time. It's it's. It's a place – it's going to be a weekend. Here's what I'm saying, guys. Find a way now, if you can, to fit it into the budget. Plan it into your calendar. If you've got kids, you're going to take care of the kids. You're going to give her a break. You're going to give her uh, you know, a chance to get away and hang with some other women. There will be some tears and there are going to be a lot of laughter. There's going to be – you know. I, I just think you get those those women are going to have a grand time together. All right, where's that happening? It's happening at the Montgomery Bell Inn and Conference Center in Montgomery Bell State Park. Tennessee has beautiful state parks, and where, Montgomery where, Bell is gorgeous. Where is that in Tennessee? Is it close to us? Is it oh, close to where oh, I live? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's about thirty minutes west of Nashville. It's close to Dixon. Oh, okay, where yeah. my car broke down. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, on the way to Eva. So not as far as Eva, but about where your car will break down, you can get out and go to the conference. That's right. Okay, yeah. It's closer It's closer to Nashville than Eva. Uh, we've got enough uh, guys here in Middle Tennessee that uh, we can handle transportation to and from the airport. Uh, Wait a minute. Where were the wives handling the transportation for the guys? I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, you just let that slide. I'm gonna let you let that slide. Yeah. It's good. It's gonna be. I, I'm so glad that we're doing this. Yeah, it's good. Well, uh, how do they get more information? 
Uh, we got to get a banner up. Uh, we got to get a banner up on the Samson site. It's not there yet. Do we have a date? Did yes, we do. Yeah, we do have a date. It's it's July twenty fourth through twenty sixth. My birthday is the twenty fourth. Is it really? No, not really. Okay, all right. So <laughs> July twenty fourth through July. Yeah, so you know Friday to Sunday. Okay, yeah. so okay. just start thinking it over. We'll keep you posted. We have an interesting interview coming up. Yeah, we do. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about this today. So uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about the inner child. The the inner child. It feels like you should whisper. There should be a voice for that. The inner, the, the inner child here on the Pirate Monk podcast. Eh, All right. I don't know. It's like... Know. That was, like the inner, that was like the inner Julia child, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. We'll be right back. Shut up. Okay. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, Aaron, a very interesting book came across my desk the other day, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, it's by Eddie Caparucci. The title is Going Deeper, but what caught me is the subtitle. The subtitle is How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. And then below that, here's the line that caught me. The road to recovery goes through your childhood i can see why you'd be very excited about that (laughs) absolutely i'll tell you what it squares with an awful lot of what i've been learning about early childhood experience the impact upon the nervous system all that stuff that goes on in the subcortical part of the brain well you know all of this sounds scary to me okay but uh, what sounds just as scary is your pronunciation of Eddie's last name. I don't feel like that was very good. We should get him on the phone. Okay. Do you have his phone number? <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Oh, God. Nobody's going to fall for that. They what? know he's it's, already here. Oh, come on. Hey, Eddie. Welcome to the show. Aaron, thank you. And you know what? Nate actually did a pretty good job. Caparucci. Okay. Caparucci. Yeah. Isn't that better yeah, if you do that? That's a nice it's Swedish simple. Name. I mean, you got cap, pa, and then Rucci. Yeah. Believe right. me. There are some people who haven't even come close. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and and uh, before I forget, what part of the country do you live in now? Where are you practicing? I'm in Georgia. In Georgia. Okay. All right. So actually, Actually, I'm a Jersey boy, but. I can hear a little Jersey there in the accent. I really can. About 18 years ago. Okay. So we've got Eddie. Uh, He is part of Abundant Life Counseling. I looked uh, looked this up. You work with your wife, Terry. Pretty awesome. Right? Yes. That's that's, very exciting, the ministry we have. Uh, There's a story behind that, but I don't know how many stories we're going to get to. You're the host of the monthly webcast, Getting to the Other Side. Right? This- That's correct. Yes. All right. Teaching couples how to navigate um, betrayal and how they can wind up in a place unlike the, any place they've ever been before in a good way. Yeah. And then the first book you wrote was Removing Your Shame Label. And then you've just released Going Deeper How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. So, uh, you, you have been a part of this process to to walk through this with people for how long? It's been, uh, it's been a ministry right now for about 10 years. I spent my first 25 years in corporate America in marketing and uh, advertising world, working in the pharmaceutical world and medical devices. 
And as I uh, strengthened my relationship with Christ, which is a whole another story in itself, um, after doing that, he, you know, said, hey, guess what? I got something new for you to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. He goes, no, no. He goes, you're going to be a Christian counselor. I'm like, no, I don't want to be a Christian counselor. And I fought him for about two years until, of course, you know, my wife just loved it watching because she knew what was going to happen, the ending. And um, but when we got done, um, he moved me into this ministry and, you know, he started bringing men into the ministry that were just like me, that I was what I was 20 years ago broken and suffering from sex addiction and pornography addiction. I started out as a generalist. I had no intention of doing this, but they just started coming in. So therefore I went back and got more certifications and more study and more uh, guidance as well as through my own recovery, what was involved in all of this. And as I said, been doing it now, working with men exclusively in this area for about eight years. That's awesome. And you've gotten some great endorsements for this book. They were eye-catching. Robert Weiss endorsed the book. Jay Stringer, who we know and love. Mm-hmm. Troy Haas, some other people, highly regarded people. Um, would you mind backing up a little bit and giving us a little bit more detail on your story? Yeah, how do you – I mean, you just said marketing and yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the, the yeah, confluence of that was a little baffling. You managed to uh, – t- t- you were a functional okay. sex addict, I'm assuming. That's kind of how yeah, I describe right. myself. I was. I was a functioning sex addict. I was in, as I said, corporate America. I worked my way up to you know executive vice president of marketing and advertising for several large firms up in the Northeast, and then about – 19 years ago, um, my wife and I, this was was my third marriage. I blew through the first two Mm. because of my addiction. And both of those women, they wanted to work it out. And I said, no, I go, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm tired of hurting you. And I don't want to hurt you anymore. And I walked away from those. When I finally started to get help and say, you know what? I need to do something here. Shortly after that, I met my current wife, Terry, and we've been married now for 21 years, we've been together for 23. And about 18 years ago, um, somebody came courting me from Georgia saying, hey, we have an agency down here. We want you to come down and play a big role. And I was like, you know what? I'm a Jersey boy. I really don't want to do this. But my wife from Tennessee, mm-hmm. and she was like, no, no, we want to do this. So, you know, make a long story short there, we came down here. Um, I was raised Catholic. So, you know, for me, it was like go to church, throw money in the collection plate and then be gone. And when we came down here, she asked, she goes, could we maybe look at a different church? And I said, sure, we could do that. And we did. And I sat in a pew one Sunday morning and I heard a pastor say, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I turned to my wife and I just said, is he out of his mind? (laughs) And she was like, quiet. I go, no, really? I have no idea. What's he talking about? It's difficult enough to have a relationship with people who I can see and talk to. How in the world do you have a relationship with somebody who's just not non-existent in my life? And anyway, I spoke to the pastor after that and told him how he rocked my world with all of it. And he came over to my house the next day and spent four hours with me, walking me through about what Christianity was really about. And he asked me a really interesting question. He said, so tell me about your Bible reading. And I looked at him. I was like, what are you talking about? That's your job. You read the Bible. I don't. You're supposed to tell me what it is because I'd never read the Bible before that. And that began my journey. Uh, two years reading the Bible four times, cover to cover, going through it, getting a lot of head knowledge, but also God starting to move my heart and shift my heart so that I could accept Christ, not just as my Savior, but also as my Lord. And that was when all of a sudden he said, hey, I got something different for you. And um, as I said, I didn't really take to that too um, well because I liked my job. I liked my work. I liked the perks, all of that. And I was just so uh, frightened of my life being turned upside down. And as as usual, he is a faithful and wonderful God. And he has blessed our ministry unlike anything we ever imagined uh between the two of us we see anywhere between 
50 and 60 people a week. Um, it is just an amazing testimony of his will and what he can do. And the thing that's so amazing, guys, is that I never as more comfortable and more at peace than when I'm sitting in that chair and then when I'm, and I'm watching God at work every day. Mm. Well, hearing that, the, the first thing that I, I saw um, when I looked at your website with the services provided was a Christian approach. And so knowing that that was your background coming, you know, coming to this relationship with Jesus, I was just curious, how would you describe the difference between a Christian and non-Christian approach to working through sexual and pornographic addiction? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for that. Um, basically, what it is, is that I am approaching what I do from a biblical standpoint. And I'm looking at what it is that God desires for us in our heart and our behavior, not because it's just that he's saying, look, this is the way to do it, but because it is right for us. And that is so different than what worldly values are that are out there with just say, hey, do whatever you feel like, whatever feels good. Don't worry about the other people. And we don't take that approach here in this ministry. We are, you know, looking out for the welfare of not just the individual who's struggling with the addiction, but also for their spouse and their family members who have been crushed and hurt by it. So therefore, while we also are giving grace because we understand that, you know, nobody's going to be perfect. We're also saying, look, you know what? It's not just you relying on my expertise or the group that you've gotten involved in, but you need to be bringing God into the equation to see, to have him play a role in all of this, because I'm not just about, in this whole inner child process, it's not about just ridding somebody of a bad behavior. It's about the transformation of a man. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, Eddie, what I gathered from reading your book is a, a basic commitment that our sexual acting out is uh, an illegitimate attempt to meet a legitimate need. And it's a need that goes back there are deep questions that go back to very, very early in our life. Should, should we address the, the elephant in the room? What's that? This? I don't see any elephants. We've already used the word inner child a number of times. Yeah. You're okay with that. Because I'm you, very okay. Well, I, I know, but you've read a bunch of stuff. Sure. You've thought about a lot. Yeah. There are people like me that, I, well, let, let me quote. Should I, should I even say who the artist was? Sure, I will. Uh, Steve Taylor, the uh -huh. album Squint came out uh, 1993-ish, I think. And the lyrics from the lament of Desmond R.G. Underwood Frederick IV was, I built an Iron Man stalls in the northern wild. I played Cabbage Patch dolls with my inner child. Now I'm getting sealed bids for the granite vault, and I'm pretty sure this is my parents' fault. So the second I hear inner child... I go back to a song making fun of that, which I love, Steve Taylor. Awesome. Props to you, Steve Taylor. But for a lot of listeners, they're going to say, oh, inner child, isn't this something from like the 80s or the early 90s where we're looking for some meaning? It's just psychobabble. Okay. So what? Uh, you're okay with it. I'm very okay with it. But yes. I know I'm not the only person that thinks of something that was like, oh, inner child. That's just... That's that's pop psychology. So how do we get over the hump of, hey, no, no, calm down. Let's let's hear this out. Where would you uh, where would you go with that, Eddie? Uh, where, I, where I would take you is the idea of what the inner child is. Is I, what I did was I um, externalize the addiction, and what I did was I said, here it is the broken that happened when we were younger, the various pain points that happened to us that are today still impacting us negatively. Can you, so can you define pain point? Because that comes up a lot. Sure. In this. 
Yeah. Pain points could be a lot of things. They don't have to be a major sense of trauma in your life, like a parent who died um, or even bullying. But for example, perhaps maybe you're afraid of the dark and you leave your bedroom and you go walking down the hall crying to your parents because you want to tell them that you're fearful. And what you're met with is opposition and being told, go back to your room, stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. Now, that kid, no one has walked him through or her through how to deal with that emotional distress. So therefore, let's say there's bullying. And now if I've been treated that way when I was younger because, you know, I couldn't even talk to you that I was afraid of something. I'm not going to come home and talk about that bullying. But then I have to figure out of a child, what do I do with that pain? And you know, again, because children have very limited world experiences, plus they're more emotionally charged in their thinking than cognitively based, the solution they're going to come up with is, I'm not going to think about it. Well, how do they not think about it? They run off and they escape. Maybe they escape into endless hours of TV. Maybe they escape into food. Maybe they escape into fantasy in their bedroom you know, pretending that they're superheroes. But that, while served them well as kids, if you continue that type of behavior as an adult, you're going to find different things to escape from, too. And in this case, we're talking about people who escape using sex. Yeah. Now, uh, Eddie, you actually, as you've talked to hundreds of clients over the course of these last eight or nine years, and I'm sure your thinking began even prior to that. Uh, in your mind, you've uh, some categories have kind of emerged, uh, and you describe different kind of kids in different ways. You want to expand? I, I could read them off to you, but could you expand on some of those for us? Sure. There were actually nine children that I identified, and each of them represent major pain points in a life. For example, the unaffirmed child. This is someone who was raised in an environment where they receive a great deal of criticism or perhaps no praise whatsoever. So they grow up seeking that sort of affirmation and they come to understand that they can get that through sex. It's really interesting to understand that many men watching pornography can put themselves in a position where they almost feel like that, if it's a woman or another man, whatever they're fantasizing about, is affirming them mm-hmm. and how great they could be as a sexual partner. You know, or they're using sex because what they're doing is, you know, look how good I am. So they'll learn new techniques and they're always trying to figure out, you know, how can I be a better lover? Because they want to be wowed in some way. And that's one of the things they do. The um, unnoticed child. Again, these are kids who are grown up, who grew up and nobody ever really chased them. You know, peers didn't chase them. Family members didn't, you know, and if they didn't go and call on a friend, nobody would call on them. They may have grown up in a household with six, seven people, but everybody goes their own way. So therefore, they felt very isolated and alone. And so therefore, what they did was they used sex. When they come across it, sex served as this amazing stimulant for them. And therefore, it became this idea, ooh, this is something that uh, will make, make it so I don't feel so lonely. The other children that are, are here are the bored child, the emotionally voided child, the entitled kid, the kid who um, needs control. These are ch- children who grew up in very chaotic environments, and they have a worldview. They taught themselves, and this, again, shows you the mindset of a child. If I'm in control, bad things won't happen because when they're growing up, they had no control. And there was chaos all around them. So now, as adults, if they face a situation where they don't have any control, they will use sex as an escape for that. Um, the stressed child is another one. The weak or inferior 
child, somebody who was made to feel like I'm not as strong as other boys. And then finally, there is the early sexually stimulated and or abused child. So are you saying each of these versions of children are going to find their way to sex as a soothing mechanism at a young age, or those were the things happening younger and it might show up later in their life? It's not going to be rare that they're going to find it at a very young age, but, but now years ago, that would be the case. But now with the ability for uh, children to get access to pornography so easily. And we're seeing, I think right now, the, um, the average age for first time exposure is about 10. We're seeing more and more kids are starting to use it at an earlier age. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. used to be not until their teen years yeah. that it would start. So what do you mean by the inner child is a storage unit filled with pain points from our childhood and teen years? So you're saying as an adult, I have an inner child that's a storage unit. Yes. What happens is over time, remember I brought up that uh, situation where no one helps us or validates our emotional pain. So we need to figure out how to deal with it. So what we do, we just ignore it. And in doing so, what happens is we repress many of those emotional pain points in our lives, which basically is just a fancy term for their subconscious, and I'm not aware of them. Um, those are, they're, the, they're the storage unit of those, and that we're just, we just don't know. They're there. And our kid, though, he does know. So therefore, for example, let me give you this uh, example. Um, let's say, uh, supposedly, you and a friend had a falling out. And then one day you guys meet on the street and you both agree, hey, you know what? That might have been really stupid. We should see if we can work this out. How about we get together and have lunch? And you schedule a lunch date. And about 20 minutes before you're supposed to head out to meet him for lunch, he calls and says, hey, look, something came up. Can't make it. I'll call you back, you know, as soon as I can. He hangs up on you pretty abruptly. Now you're sitting there and you're saying, hmm, all right, that doesn't feel great. I'm a little disappointed. I'm really looking forward to it. May even cross your mind, hmm, I wonder if he's blowing me off. But see, the kid now looking at that, he's saying, ooh, rejection. And why is he saying rejection? Because he's gone back into that storage unit and he remembered when you were 11 years old and you went down to Bobby's house to see if he can come out to play. And when you knock on the door, Bobby opens the door and there's three of your friends in there with him. And you're like, what are you guys doing? And Bobby said, oh, we're just hanging out. You go, oh, well, can I come in? No, my mom says I can't have anybody else. He slammed the door in your face. And now you walk home, you got tears in your eyes. You're feeling humiliated. You're wondering if people are laughing at you and you feel totally rejected. And so now the feeling that you're having regarding your friend who hung up on you, which were, you know, just uncomfortable. For some reason, they become more distressful. You're you're, you're feeling a little bit more uneasy and you don't understand what it's about. So therefore, it's like, oh, you know what? Where's my phone? Or let me get on the computer because I just want to go see what's out there. And that's what we mean about the storage unit. And what I do is I help my client by identifying what are those triggers. And in that case, it was rejection. What are the triggers that activate your kid? Because, today? because you're very concerned with the why, not yes. the, not the what. Oh, we need to fix the what. I look at porn and masturbate. I go and have affairs to meet those needs. You seem to be less concerned with let's fix the what as quick as possible, uh, as quickly as possible as understanding, well, what is that serving? I.e., why am I doing that? Because if I understand why I do what I do, I'm probably in a better position to be able to fix it. Because I now have, I have that insight. And that knowledge, so I can now stay one step ahead of my addiction. 
And that's what we're trying to do here. We're staying one step ahead. But now we're bringing mindfulness into the equation. If I know what those triggers are, and I understand these are the 10, the eight to 10 different things that are going to set me off. And I sit there with my kid. Oh, I sit there and I memorize those things. When a negative event happens, I now, ooh, you know what? Feeling invisible. You know what? That, that event that just happened right now, I could, I, I may be feeling invisible. And therefore now I'm going to go. I'm going to sit with my kid. I'm going to sit with the pain point. I'm going to, and I'm going to go back and we'll say, what in the world? You know, what happened in the past that I may have felt invisible that I may feel like right now my intensity level is increasing my distress. And through that, after I do that, I then take it back from the kid and I say, okay, you know what? Here comes wise mind. See, I'm slowing everything down. I'm putting speed bumps in. I'm not just reacting by wanting to run away. I'm saying, you know what? What's really going on? What do I real? Why this? Why is this intensity here? And then once I figure that out, okay, what's the right choice that I can make right now? And through that, it is not acting out. Yeah, uh, Eddie, I'm wondering how much of this is uh, cognitive, and how much of it is uh, emotional, somatic. Is mindfulness? What am I paying attention to in my mindfulness? Well, first and foremost, that you're saying there's there's a lot of it that's subconscious. Yeah. And what you're paying attention to, once you determine... Wait, 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 wait. Don't move past that. You're saying step one is just acknowledging that a lot of it's subconscious, i.e. acknowledge that I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So when Paul says, I don't know what I do, you're not saying, I can fix you, Paul. You're saying, let's just acknowledge. Correct. There's a bunch of stuff going on in my hard drive that in my, that's behind the scenes. Aaron, you're dead on. That's exactly right. Because again, we're not fixing anybody. What we're doing is we're giving them the tools they need to be able to stay one step ahead. And if they're going to learn to be mindful, because again, this is not about just, ooh, how do I put this behavior on the back burner? This is about how do I change how I interact with people, how I become more emotionally engaged, how I have my head up and I'm observing what's happening around me, especially the needs and wants of other people. What happens is people who deal with sex addiction and pornography addiction, they're very inwardly focused. Mm -hmm. They're very much in their own head. These are all things that we've learned when we were kids, but there was nobody there who was really challenging us and getting us to be more out into the world, to be very good servants, and you know the other things that are needed for for us. So I like step one. It's not just admit you're a sick pervert. It's admit that there's stuff going on beneath the surface. Yeah. All right. Go on with where you're heading. Right. And that that's what we need to do first. There's something else that's going on under there. So now what we're doing is we're identifying what that is. So, for example, you have different, as I said before, emotional triggers. Each of the kids that I identified for you, nine of them, and picking your nine, most people are going to wind up saying, oh, I can, I resonate with three or five of them, three to five. Okay. The kid's not the most important thing. The most important thing is what is the trigger that activates that child? And at the end of each chapter, I list anywhere between six and eight different emotional triggers. And it is those triggers. That is what we need to be very mindful of and aware of, of what happens in our lives today. Those actions. Have we activated the kid with that? I got to tell you, Eddie, that's one of the most uh, helpful part of the books, uh, uh, parts of the book for me. was that little box that you put at the end of each chapter where you listed uh, the emotional, most common emotional triggers for that type of inner did, child. Did you find your inner child? Are you so on for the example, page? yeah, I, I, I guess like the typical reader, I could see myself in three to five of the different ones, but probably the one that I felt closest to was the unaffirmed child. Mm-hmm. And so 
at the end of that chapter, right before you give, there's some space there for me to do some work, and I haven't done the work. That page is still blank. But there, there's this uh, and box. Do you feel ashamed and triggered, but it's because you're an unaffirmed child? Yeah, I think that's Man, it. Man, this book's it's a, it's a cycle. It's a loop. Okay, so uh, this is what you say. You say, this is only a partial list, and you may identify additional triggers. Remember... His, and you're talking about now the inner child, mm-hmm. emotions occur based on the way he perceives a current situation. However, his perception of events may be inaccurate. And then these are the emotional – this is what I could relate to, these inner thoughts and feelings. I'm a disappointment. I'm a failure. I feel incompetent. I'm not lovable. I'm stupid. I'm a mistake. I feel insulted. I feel inferior. So if any event happens that bring one of those up, what happens is your likelihood to engage in an unwanted, undesired sexual activity is going to increase because the kid does not want to feel this. And therefore, he's taught you how to run off and distract yourself. Right. So is there a healthy way for me now as an adult uh, a long way down the road to get the affirmation? Okay, can you hold on to that thought? What's that? The one you just said, because I want to touch on something you said right before. Can you hold on? Yeah, sure, I'm fine. You just said to engage in an unwanted and undesired, what what was the word after that? Uh, Behavior? Sexual sexual behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, before we moved past that, Mm -hmm. wanted to note that most people myself included throughout much of my life wouldn't say it was unwanted. I would have thought I want that clearly. I would pursue that. True. But you're saying, Oh no, that's not actually what you want. That was an incredibly gospelicious thing to say. So because what people really are seeking, they're seeking emotional connection and intimacy. They just don't know it. And, but you're right. And you know what? I love when guys admit that to me. You know what? I really enjoyed this. I, I, this was something that created a lot of excitement for me, but they also, by the time they're coming into therapy, have realized, but you know what? It's also creating a lot of destruction and I can't be doing it any longer. And for that reason, they don't want to do, engage in it. They want to stop the madness and the madness is not so much engaging in the behavior it's the pain that it causes and the scorched earth that is left behind so it is a both and that oh yeah there's a part of me that can say man this is this is my soothing behavior whatever it is and whether you're a man or a woman this is this has been my go-to right but just because it's been my go-to to soothe doesn't mean it's what i want it's what I've settled for mm-hmm. and what my heart really craves is something so much deeper. And that's, that's as hard a confession as to come out of denial mm-hmm. to say yeah. what my heart really wants is more than this. Yeah. All right, Nate, keep going. Yeah. With what yeah, you yeah, were yeah. So, so the question is, this is true. Recovery is not deprivation. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we will recover from – we'll be able to abandon any compulsive activity if we think that we are somehow depriving ourselves by doing it. Mm-hmm. That if, if we think we're losing a legitimate benefit. I think we only change – well, part of it is we change when it becomes less painful to change than to stay the way we are. But we change because we find uh, a better way to what we really want. So uh, for me, I'm sorry, for me, that is relationship. Yeah. Deep, meaningful relationship in which emotional intimacy is truly created, not just among other people, but with God. Yeah. There we go. Can I can I go back to something you said earlier, Aaron, when you were talking about this uh psychobabble stuff? Mm-hmm. And you said something about blaming parents. Uh-huh. Um, that wasn't me. That was Steve Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, we we are not blaming anyone. 
what we may do is we may hold some people accountable. But what we find is what I tell people is, hey, let me take somebody and throw them under the bus for a moment. But then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull them out and I'm going to put them back on the pedestal. Because, again, in many cases, what we see when things went wrong, it's not because the parents were bad people. It's just that they didn't have the skill set that was required to help these individuals. And they may have suffered in many other ways themselves. And we're going far beyond parents, but we're also looking at siblings, looking at peers, we're looking at other people in authority, or just events that happened that maybe were involving strangers. Um, or just nature in general that have caused us great pain and anguish. But there is no blame. We yeah. cannot do that. Men have to be accountable for their action. There was always another option, but they just, in many cases, didn't realize it. Well, let me, uh, this, this may be useful to somebody. Uh, when I was younger, I had worked in, Basically, birth, I did nursery ministry, children's ministry, junior high ministry, high school ministry, college ministry. And uh, I was I was super uh, young and arrogant and thought, this is really the best preparation for being a parent anyone could have. I'm basically working with hundreds of kids of every age. Mm-hmm. And when Nate was reading that list, or when you were talking through the list, I was actually thinking about, I have four teenage children at the moment. Um, and I was thinking about which one each of them were. The older ones are obviously easier Mm. and I can immediately think, uh, yep. Okay. That one fits with that one and that one. And here's the way they're blaming me. (laughs) And I try to be so proactive and yet I will still be blamed. Well, almost as much as a parent that didn't think about it at all. Yeah. Which isn't. I don't say that for pity purposes, but if uh, audience members would like to send, uh, what, what's our podcast? Our, our, <laughs> if you'd, you'd like to Gmail pity to me, uh, feel free. Uh, but it was, it's more the eye opening deal that, oh, I really thought I could control this for mm-hmm. my children if I knew enough. And I, I think think for some of the listeners that feel like I blew it with my kids. Yeah. You could have been uh, at least 14 times better, possibly 15. And it would have mattered mm-hmm. that, that your, your child is going to grow into adulthood and they're going to have to confront the same thing that we don't as parents get to save our children from the same process. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where it's encouraging for you to say, this isn't about blame. Right. Mm-hmm. And nobody survives childhood unscathed, right? No. Not, not, not even Jesus. I mean, come on, right? If Jesus yeah. doesn't, what do we expect? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But again, guys, it's not about the fact that we go through the emotional distressors. It is the fact that there's nobody really there to help us walk through yeah. them. Yeah. That's the key. And again, we're not blaming anyone for it. Because, you know, that's really interesting you bring that up, Aaron, because many people who look at these kids, they start to look at, oh, my gosh, my kids, like you just did. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the title of the book, again, is Going Deeper. Uh, the author is Eddie Caparucci. Uh, is this on, is it available on Amazon? It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, a book, somewhat any uh, book outlet out um, outlet that's out there online. You can find it. Uh, it's very thought provoking and helpful. Lots of space in there for you to do your own work as you follow Eddie through his explanation of the different types of inner child. Uh, child. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to check out more, you can go to Abundant Life uh, Counseling. Let's see, GA dot com. Is that is that where we're that's sending right. people? Yep. Right. Or they can go to innerchild-sexaddiction.com also. Mm-hmm. All right. If you're afraid of having the, the words child and sex in the same Google search, go to the first one I mentioned. Uh, you know what? Gabe gave a lot of thought to it. But, you know, as we went through and I, I polled with a lot of people and talked to them, they said, no, don't worry. You're Oh, good. 
That's that's fantastic. Yeah. I had a friend that started a company called Experts Exchange, and when he uh, had that, it was read as expertsexexchange.com. Uh, that came up on many Google searches of the worst uh, websites ever. So I'm glad you looked into that. Uh, I also, man, at some point we got to talk to your wife about this launching emergent adults. I'm totally curious. I knew we wouldn't have time to touch on that, but, you know, for my own sake, I want to pretend it's for the podcast, but get a whole bunch of advice for being yeah, that, that's a parent. Our, that's our area of expertise. She manages that, and she does a really good job. And you're right. That is a really difficult situation right now. Indeed. Well, Eddie Caparucci. Yeah. All right. The Jersey boy now living in Georgia doing it. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, All right. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us, Eddie. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And I really so much appreciate the work you guys did. You know, it's, it's really good to have an organization like this out there helping oh. people. All right. God bless. All right. Stay with us, listeners. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Back on the Pirate Monk podcast, the inner child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what i I was I really liked Eddie's book. I mean, I had some frustrations with it. I if I would I would have edited it differently. If, were 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 I an editor? Uh, but the content is there. It was thought provoking and helpful. Uh just. Just what I was listening to because I I look stuff up online. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the book, yeah. But things that were being said, I I thought, okay, I'm I'm curious for both myself. Yeah, I thought about it for myself yeah. earlier, and yeah. then when you guys were talking, I was thinking about my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I want to I want to explore that more. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, here's here's what I thought earlier. I. I didn't experience a lot of rejection, but I felt deep rejection. Mm-hmm. My parents were amazing. Yeah. They affirmed me a ton, but I ascribed value to certain people who then ignored me. Yeah. So I, I felt that rejection piece. Sure, sure. And, and yet it was, I'm not going to call it illegitimate because it's neither legitimate nor illegitimate. It, just it was is. just, there was yeah. lots of people that did affirm me. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean as much as those I focused on and said, oh, yeah, I'm pining for your affection. You're right, right, right. And then I would walk in the river listening to Depeche Mode and Morrissey with my dog <laughs> walking down the Salinas River. And that didn't help at all. No, Nobody no, should do that. No. So, I mean, it is it is interesting to say, okay, I don't feel like I had a, a, tra- a traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. And yet… I my my mother would attest that I came home starting in like fifth grade just crying. Nobody likes me, and yeah. you know that pain. Yeah, and I went to a school with twenty five to thirty kids in my Christian school class. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I focused on the few kids that I wanted to think a certain way about me. And yeah, if I yeah. didn't I'd be devastated, and then go listen to more Depeche Mode. Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a subtle thing. I don't think we have to go crazy on 
the judgment of it, but just say, yeah, there's stuff going on in me. It matters. Sure, sure. And, you know, that stuff, that's long before, you know, I think, I think the roots of that, long before we developed a lot of cognitive ac- uh, uh, ability. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really understand what was going on. But those patterns, those emotional experiences are there. Those patterns were set. And now I find myself reacting emotionally. Those are old emotions. Those are old patterns that go way back. So I need to be mindful enough to recognize uh, what I'm feeling uh, and, and to see that I'm being driven emotionally. And now I've got to acknowledge and accept that. And now I got a chance to do something different. Do you know the first person that freaked me out with this talk? Because uh, if you haven't heard this talk before, this kind of talk in yeah. a child reparenting yeah it it's it's uncomfortable for an evangelical christian i remember the first person this came up with was a counselor that i respected so much she was an older woman Mm -hmm. and uh man i thought one day i thought you were the most amazing christian counselor the next i thought you might be a heretic oh really but she what she said to someone that i i really cared about was, hey, look, look at your life. At this point, you really realized your parents did not love you the way your heart was saying, please keep me safe, please love me. Yeah. And now every other relationship, boyfriends, marriage, you've tried to get someone to love you like you're that eight, nine, mm-hmm. 10-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. And at this point, this person was in her 30s. Yeah, yeah. And she said, you're a grown-ass woman. Yeah. We need to learn how to grieve what can never be had from your parents. Wow. And stop trying to make those around you love you as if you're a little girl. Wow. Because that will never work. Wow. And you'll never want to be intimate with your loved ones, especially your spouse, Mm-hmm. When you're trying to make him your father and not your husband. Right. Wow. And I heard that and I was like, well, I thought you were nuts, but that actually, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm tracking with you. Sure, sure. I think that was the first opening of my heart to go, yeah. okay, we carry some weird stuff yeah. into our relationships. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was a simple thought. Sure. And I looked at my own life and the way that my Wife can hurt me most is to make me feel rejected. Yeah. And it's that same going back to like, I've, I picked you. Yeah. And so now you have my vulnerability. Right. You can hurt me more than anybody if you reject me. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it's a hair trigger sensitivity versus other people where I'm like, I give a crap. You can do whatever you want. I feel nothing. Right. For 98% of anybody I know as far as you can't hurt me like that. Yeah. Yeah. But then my wife, just the, the little, Little look, little comment. I'm like, ah, it hurt me so much. You know, I'm like, well, okay, all right. Maybe that connects to something. Well, I'd love to hear our listeners' thoughts on this topic. Any reaction? Any suggestion? As always, you can reach us at Pirate Monk Podcast at Gmail dot com. Golly gee, Pirate Monk Podcast at Gmail dot com. That, that would simple? be Pirate Monk Podcast at Gmail dot com. You just type it in and write a letter. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, time has flown. Uh, we're out of time again, but it, I've enjoyed being with you on this fine spring day. Fine spring day in the middle of winter. We do have a guest lined up for next week. I'm starting to fill the calendar oh, up. We're going, yeah. We get, should we say it? Yeah, sure. We get to talk to Mo. I Mo is talked, coming back, man. I haven't talked to Mo since he visited. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yep. Uh, yeah, so. You, and, uh, and he's also. I just today from uh, a producer, somebody involved, a publisher. They sent me two tracks from his new album mm-hmm. that I. It's not even like all done, but we get to play some gonna, Mo music. Yeah. So I downloaded those this afternoon. Nice, nice. It's gonna be good. Well, until next week, then I'm Nate, and I am Pepe, and we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> See my long hair done. 
overhead Trouble. Soon my trouble will be.